0: OTB GAA Scale has opened the war definitely with the football pod Where are your power
1: rankings now? The Royal Rumble that's coming our way Hurling pod versus football pod Will, you're a coward Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed Wherever you get your podcasts you know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances have just lacked that intensity. So normally we start in the red. We're making an exception for this. Yes. Nathan. Starting with the green. Yes, that's right. Welcome,
2: Nathan. An executive How are you? decision. Nathan Murphy.
1: This is the bit of the show where you take this is, over. This is
2: this is my bit. Yeah. God damn it! I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, yes, we're going to start with the green this time because we want a positive story on a on a Monday morning. Maybe we should make this a regular thing, actually, instead of starting by giving out every Monday morning. Maybe we start with a fresh mindset and actually, there was good things that happened over the weekend, uh, particularly if you are a Manchester
1: United supporter. So mocking Manchester United. I just want to say, mocking is catching. That's all. As your ma would have said when you were a child. Mocking is catching. Go on, Nathan, go on, take it away. We'll start with Manchester United,
2: then we'll get to Ireland Rugby in a minute. So Manchester United, Carabao Cup winners, and boy, did they celebrate it. Uh, very straightforward win over Newcastle in the end. Not the most exciting of League Cup finals. A uh, professional job done by United. They took their chances very well. A couple of goals in the space of six minutes. Their are two standout players this season. Casemiro and Marcus Rashford get the goals. And Newcastle having their little dip at just the wrong time of the season. There was about 150,000 Geordies in Trafalgar Square late into the night, thinking, finally, this is it. But they've now lost nine straight games at Wembley. Mm -hmm. So all that money, all that Saudi Lula, kind of for nothing when it came to the big day at Wembley yet again. Uh, But Manchester United definitely feels as if this is the start of something rather than a one-off I think the manner that they went into this, it was felt on the pitch like quite an emotionless victory that they just knew they were a better team. They went about their business. Varane and Casemiro like, you know, we've, we've done all this before. We've this won Champions of, League. This it, is a League it, Cup final, lads. This was obvious, go and do this, it?
1: This was obvious. We, we were on Friday um, predicting what was going to happen here and Colin was desperately trying not to, you know, oh, I can't expect that Manchester United are going to win because I won't enjoy it. But it was clear from about four weeks ago that Manchester United and Newcastle are on divergent paths at the moment and that the strength and depth that Manchester United have and the quality of players that they have and the money that they've invested in the squad is superior to that at Newcastle at the moment. And uh, it was clear that they were going to win and if they didn't win, it was going to be a bit of a disaster. So I think you were just putting up a protected layer. Yeah, you're like, you know, I'm just going to ask this person out. But if they don't, you know, they're not really, it'd be fine if they said no. It it doesn't really matter. But actually, it really matters. No,
0: no, no. It's part of uh, a new era at Manchester United and the League Cup is is, is nice to have it's the first trophy that he could possibly have won at the club and he did and that's great but for instance if United were to fall out of the top four at the end of the season and say get knocked out of the last 16 of the Europa League and FA Cup then suddenly it's like oh that was going so well for three quarters of the season so it's just it's a nice uh, momentum keeper I suppose Um, but you have to look at it like objectively Newcastle are not in good form in 2023 they've only won one league game and really, the outlier has been the semi-final two legs against a completely out-of-sorts Southampton in the dying days of the unmitigated disaster of the Nathan Jones era. So they have been slipping and they just don't seem much of a threat. Having said all that, Alan San Maximum turns Diogo Dallo inside out in 32 minutes and but for a great David De Gea save where he stood strong and tall which is what Laris Carius was accused of not doing for United's second goal then Newcastle could have taken the lead and then the other side of it too United go two up in very quick succession and Dan Byrne has a sitter two minutes before half time inside the six yard box with a header for a man of that size with a heading say, capability he has to score
1: if Dan Byrne has one function in life it is to hit the target from there like what are you doing and if that goes in, it gets suddenly well, quite I think, interesting. I mean, look, it would be interesting to see if he hit the target and at least made the goalkeeper do some work. Make the goalkeeper do some work. But he couldn't do it. And that's the difference. It's Rashford versus Dan Byrne. That's the difference in quality that we have at the moment at these teams. And I, I don't blame Newcastle for not being ready just yet. I think Isak might have been in there, a
0: The response,
2: a, a response to this will be interesting from Newcastle, uh, and also the response if they end up not finishing inside the top four with the sudden resurgence in form from Tottenham as to how much they do go invest, because obviously they've they've built this little storyline whereby it's just the genius of Eddie Howe that's got them into this position. They haven't spent any money at all. Well, it's just the brilliance to the of, It's <laughs> just the it's just the brilliance of their manager. So it doesn't matter that the Saudi money has come in. It's made no difference. This is all down to Eddie Howe. So do they now go actually we're going to go and spend 500 million next summer. And we want to be gonna, in with the big boys. We're going to go and sign else? Declan Rice. Yeah. We're going to be the team that goes in there and offers more money than anybody else. Because, listen, it has fallen very flat. They've built their their brilliant season so far on a rock-solid defence. They never changed their back four. Nick Pope has been excellent in goal. But Almiron has completely lost his form. Wilson and Isaac have both struggled for fitness ever since Christmas, and they were totally reliant on one of them to just score the goals. So when they don't have that... What do they have? Like, Sam so Maximum was was exciting yesterday, but that's kind of what he is. He turns defenders inside out and he hopes they get booked and he hopes maybe then he can try and re- have a proper run at them. But I thought he he was he was fine after that. A bit of a one-trick pony? A- absolutely. But I think actually what was more interesting about that was, again, the response from Ten Hag where he didn't wait. At halftime, he took Delo off and he brought on Wambasaka and he said, I'm not going to take this risk. We're in a comfortable, we're heading in the right direction Let's not, let's not jeopardise this by getting him booked again and getting him sent off. And suddenly this is a very different game. So I think he's uh, yet again shown that when it comes to making big decisions in cup finals, which isn't an easy thing to make that substitution at halftime, he's willing to go and do it. And like, this is, from where they were, I know it's a carve cup final, but it's a step towards where they want to be. From where they were, not even after the first two games of the season, from where they were at the Etihad when mm. Manchester City, that's only back in October
1: think like that's, what, four months ago? Yeah, I think uh, it's one of the uh, all-time great starts to a managerial career when you think about it. Um, well, we were making the point on Friday as well that if he lost this, you know, Klopp lost a load of finals yeah. before he ended up Genuinely, getting the team yeah. to the point where they were ready. And I think there's probably a little bit of that with Eddie Howe, and I think that... Um, you know, Amanda Stavely was kissing all the players afterwards. Uh, you know, she's Newcastle fans waving their flags uh, crazily in the, the stoppage time when the game was up. Yeah, but
2: that's you, you know, know, know I mean? they're singing the field. Yeah, yeah, but that's it's what what doing what there.
1: They, but they they do know that they're like going to be back. I don't know who was doing the co con but they were making the point that this is probably the last we're going to see of some of these Newcastle players. I mean, you know, yeah, was, metaphorically, uh, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like they won't be <laughs> part of the team that wins. Like there'll be you know, Simon Minule is playing in all those cup finals and Karius is playing in all those cup finals and eventually they get the world class players so those world class players are coming from Newcastle and I don't feel any sympathy for Newcastle fans whatsoever but for Manchester United this trophy does feel different and we've yeah. been making this point the whole way along that Lewis van Gaal won a trophy and got sacked in the lift afterwards even when Mourinho was winning them it never felt like he was building something well, that's it I mean 2017 that's like Mourinho
0: on paper did a good job United two and a half years because the first season they won the League Cup and the Europa League but I remember thinking at that time when they beat Ajax to win the second trophy of that season that yeah it's great that you're winning trophies but it, it doesn't feel right because they're not playing great football and it very much feels like the dying embers of Mourinho's greatness and he's, he's proving to the world I still got it. The one Arnie Rone w- described it as a dead cat bounce, those couple of trophies for Mourinho at, at
1: yeah. United. The one thing that really struck me about the Mourinho era was that he was complaining about the transfers and not getting enough money and like, like he was somehow divorced from the people making the decisions. With Ten Hag, there's none of that. No, but Mourinho With was- Ten Hag, well, in, first, in fairness, they have backed Ten Hag at a level that is... Off the charts, like you know, they after the uh, results didn't go their way, they panic splurged and spent a load of money and looked like they'd overspent on a bunch of players who subsequently have turned out to be really, really, really good, really, they, really, really valuable. They packed Mourinho too. Like let's not forget, like Mourinho not at the same level. I mean, Mourinho they, was always whining about not getting centre backs, and then it was like you look at the players he'd signed the centre back, and it was like, well, he spent forty million on a guy who you won't pick. But anyway, but was, yeah, but there were players million, who he 20. felt like he hadn't.
0: Yeah, there were players that he didn't get, but the money was still there. They still spent big. The thing with Mourinho, he he lived in a hotel for his whole time as United manager. It never felt like he was fully committed to actually doing any. He was just proving a point, I think, Mourinho at United, whereas with Ten Hag. Like Nathan mentioned there, the disastrous start of the season. Even when they lose, they do it right, because it's noteworthy. Like, they lost spectacularly in the Manchester Derby that the had. It's no kind of, you know, stupid three o'clock on a Saturday defeat. It's like, when they lose, it's big. And everything We're
2: else that are It's now celebrating the right. humiliation of yeah. the defeat. At least when we <laughs> lost that Manchester Derby, it was the worst
1: Manchester Derby defeat <laughs> yeah. there had ever been. It was noteworthy. The reason uh, why this feels different is that Ten Hag is clearly in charge of everything. and he's Well, totally down, clearly down clearly
2: to... Uh, what they were wearing heading into the stadium yesterday so Manchester United you will not be surprised to hear have a suit deal uh, with Paul Smith suits uh, which uh, I'm sure Paul Smith has spent a lot of money to make sure that the Manchester United players on the rare occasions they get to a cup final are wearing his beautifully tailored suit as they walk into the stadium and they get those shots of them having the chat and taking the photos on the pitch Eric Ten Hag said not for me pal it's going to take us ten minutes to change out of those suits. Yeah. That's just wasting our time. My players are not going to wear those suits. They're going to wear their tracksuits, and they're going to be ready to go when they get to the stadium. And obviously, Manchester United said, "Well, that's not possible. We signed all this money for this is a one." Like they don't wear a suit any other time. They're going to wear a suit today. And Ten Hag put the foot down, and uh, said, "No, they're going to wear uh, the the uh, tracksuit," and he got his way.
1: Well this, this stuff can often feel like it's minor, but you can guarantee that mm-hmm. there's an entire commercial department who are like feverishly checking with the lawyers to find some justification to win the argument with him and he just wins the argument. Do you know it's like it, it, it's, it shouldn't be important, but it is important.
0: A strong stance about suits in a cup final. We've been there before with a Manchester United manager, nineteen ninety six FA Cup final when Fergie saw the white suits of Liverpool, one nil he said apparently. He was right eventually. With Ten Hag is, he said apparently. Yeah, like this is, well, that's what he said no himself in the interview. Man for, uh, uh, you know, right of course, thing, right place. He knows. He knows. That's a, he remarkable, knows. Remarkable uh,
2: reemergence of Alex Ferguson, who uh, uh, yes. has made sure he's front and center of uh, this entire. But lad, lad, this has been the case. This has
0: been the
1: case of 2013. Well, it know. absolutely has. Yeah, he's he's been very prominent. Well, they just give him an office. It worked really well for prominent. former Scottish genius managers to hang around I, I, the training ground. I think with an you're office. looking too much into that. Yeah,
0: I think so, personally. I think he's been around a lot. We're
2: going to talk to Andy Mitten about about what happens next because United are, it feels, in in a position to build. And you know, Ten Hag has done what all top class managers do and has you know, based his team around a couple of real top quality elite players in yes. Casemiro and Ferran is getting the best out of them, has raised players above their level, whether that's Rashford or Shaw. Yeah. Uh, sack, Fred, yeah. looking at Fred yesterday, you're going, Oh, this guy was a laughing stock six mm. months ago. Because he was stuck in the midfield alongside McTominay, who had been completely overrun. But actually Casemiro, he's sort of like Joel Matthew is at Liverpool alongside Van Dijk. Like, that's right. An average player who's suddenly been elevated by someone brilliant alongside him. The one I'm wondering about Manchester United and their progress forward is Bruno Fernandez. And what they do with Bruno Fernandes, who has been, I think, the one disappointment of the Ten Hag era. I thought he was bang average again yesterday, aside from his usual bitching and moaning throughout the match at every little decision that goes against him. I thought he contributed very, very little. And that's an area, if you're going to spend a lot of money, if you're going to after a Jude Bellingham or one of the top quality midfielders, maybe he's the guy.
0: Who suddenly sweating for his position. Uh, possibly, possibly. I think he's still uh, recovering from the Cristiano Ronaldo era, Fernandez, where he was very much put back in his box by Get his uh, compatriots. Everyone he's else trying to got got back And I do think it's a bit of the Sancho thing where everyone else is playing so well and the fact that he's not is probably enhancing the fact that, oh my God, I'm not at the level that even Fred is. Like Fred on under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer occasionally had worldy games, but he can never back it up, whereas Ten Hag got that out of him. One thing as well to note, Raphael Verand did an interview with Jonathan Northcraft for the Sunday Times and he was talking about how much he's enjoying it at United and one thing that he decided to do at the very start of the season he missed those first two games against Brighton and Brentford and he took Lisandro Martinez aside and he says look we have to change the mentality around defending so every time we make a, a great clearance or a block or just, just good defending we should celebrate that and you actually see that now every time Waterford ye- hurling style yesterday Hit a John Milan yesterday Casemiro jockeyed the ball out of play when Jonathan yeah. took him on and he gave a, a bit of that to the fans and yeah. then behind him you could see for Anna Martinez joining in and it's, that triangle well, has really changed the mentality of when those that, players
1: when that happened Gary Neville was like oh I wasn't sure about the contract but now give him all the money in the world <laughs> And it's like, he's that, literally he's literally just like G'd the crowd up having I, I understand that it's like emblematic of he's allowed to do that because he's such a good footballer and it was a little bit yeah it's just, it's just cool justice, yeah don't so. mind
0: that because he said to Solskjaer where, where do you want your statue after that PSG game in March 2019 so don't mind that he's getting uh, carried away
1: very quickly uh, I'm guessing besides Ireland that we'll have Man United love fest. they're back and all that morning boys says Paul McGee I mean are they not back I mean, how could we not mark this? Are they are they not back? Uh, it depends d- what
2: "back" means. Back like means they are competing, back, competing for the Champions well, exactly. League. Exactly, they are back. Sorry, they're back competing for the Champions League. They're back competing for the title. Uh, they're back as a relevant force. It's that next step as to what does do Manchester City bring over the next two or three years. It's whether Ten Hag can get to the <laughs> next level,
1: and well, maybe maybe uh, maybe uh, no maybe uh, no, answers all that. No, I I like I. Once they're in the Champions League next season, which we expect them to be, they they immediately become potential winners of the competition. Because we've seen teams who aren't very good reach semi-finals and finals in recent years. You saw a mediocre Spurs team under Pochettino, who played very well that season in the Champions League, but were shocking in the league that year, reach the final. And, you know, who knows if Harry Kane had been fit, what might have happened. So I, I think that, like, this is them back to relevance Assuming they finish in the top four, yeah, and I actually think, one. like, they should really be using this as a springboard to go on a run and win six, seven, eight, nine games over the next month and a half, two months, and really put it up to Manchester City, who are just a little bit flaky at the minute. I enjoyed Roy Keane saying
0: to Ten Hag afterwards, "You should resign after that dance you did with uh, Anthony and Lissandra Martinez." And Ten Hag says, "Absolutely not. I'll do it again. We have history, the three of us." Not backing down
1: to Roy. Right. Keane's bit is um, the Brazilians aren't allowed to dance unless they're my Brazilians and then it's like oh, oh. Anyway. Keane was the comic foil yesterday on Sky Sports which I found interesting. Um, a new characteristic. Chopper's doing the Carabao Cup. Yeah. I hadn't been watching the pre and post match at any point so that was news to me and I mean he's excellent. And he's and chopper does producer. all the Carabao Cup. That's Carabao. it. As I'm saying, Cup. yeah. But only the Carabao Cup. Only the Carabao Cup, yeah. It's a random enough foul. It's all money. Well, I'm just a, I'm a fan of choppers, you know? Yeah, he's good. Uh Owen O'Connor says, Does Jerr still believe Newcastle will finish above Man United in the league? Does he owe Collin an apology? I think you'll remember this was uh pre Casemiro, pre anthony pre the investments, and um they still had Cristiano at the team. So if I mean that team was not finishing anywhere. Ah no. Above? no 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 no. Things changed. Mm. at the time. At the end of last season, at the end of last season, they changed their manager. I would love an apology. Uh, absolutely not. I, I was, that, I you. was correct. The, the, um, the, the Manchester United board, are obviously, on. I mean, this is a realistic possibility here. How is this going to happen? Let's, let's change the it's manager. Apology. It's a form of it anyway. Uh, if you gave me the choice of Newbridge or nowhere this morning, I'd choose nowhere. Shocking stuff. Put them in the red, says Brian Dillon, and somebody else was like, I was at the Kildare game in Newbridge yesterday. Who's this? Andy Jennings. Good Lord, they were shocking. No idea if it's the management or they just don't have the players a bit of both, I think. Well, we'll talk about this with Anthony Moyles a little bit later on, but um, they haven't yet made the red because there's still an outside chance that they won't be playing in the Talchin Cup this year. Still a chance. Got to beat Louth in RD next Sunday. Ah, a bit of silverware Talchin Cup. Be nice, wouldn't it? Well, uh, that we were... Open top parade. We were talking about the... Um, Brady you know, Family Ham sponsoring Springboard. Beautiful. Get Paul get Paul, Paul Meskal to... Uh, uh, you know, get do a Michael
2: Sheen style pre-match speech.
1: Yeah, that could work. Yeah, I think maybe you know, maybe you could go out there and give your best. <laughs> wow,
2: he's an actor. I, I, I think he could up, up he his could, game he, if he, it if he was could, required.
1: He could fake it, the, I mean, uh, you know, his, Literally um, his gig. Yeah, but his, his gig is also a very specific type of like disassociated, slightly uncertain. Not exactly I what I Kildare think football Need at the moment You know I think this lack of self-belief
2: In yourself is the problem For Kildare Like you've got one of the Great Irish actors of the moment Yeah yeah, And you're like Well you can't do much Aside from just have the head down And talk a little bit like this what? Like You know Celebrate this
0: man You should be proud of him Oh we are He's Kildare's finest We
2: are we I know are. Joey let you e down And he didn't develop
0: On the potential he thought Yeah but there's no reason That Paul Mescal will do the same You know what you both Can be proud of Ireland's win in Italy Ireland Did you hear Ireland's call for the game
2: Yeah Ireland Together Now in first terrible that, song at the best of times so uh, it, it's hard to make a mess of it uh, but they've uh, I thought there was just a sound tech issue yeah. at first it's like the, the, the sound is miles off here but the Irish players just decided we're going to roll on through we're going to show the Italians they cannot slow down our anthem uh, but they did Well it worked
0: Ireland flew into the traps they had a try after one minute, 25 seconds when Lowe just lost control, and then 45 seconds later, they did have a try. It was
2: oh, a great game, wasn't it? Uh, Italians, more yeah, than little pat on the head for them. The Italians, more than played their part in uh, the quality of this game because I thought when Ireland went over for that very early try, uh, it was going to be a bit of a whooping, uh, and they'd bonus points secured after 35 minutes. Did they ever look like not winning the game? I'm quite sure the difference between this and the first two matches is it felt against both Wales and France that when they had their period of dominance, Ireland defensively were exceptional. That you sort of felt a Wales score or a France score was coming and it never quite happened. Whereas Italy, uh, every time they went forward, there were some gaping holes, which is the one question mark coming out of this. A couple of players didn't do their chances a world of good. Well, Bundyaki, five missed tackles, but Bundyaki hasn't played any rugby. Yeah. Like, that's the problem for Bundy here. You get yourself sent off, you
0: fall out with the coaching team, and suddenly you're a- not playing anymore. Aki was central to the four of Ireland's tries, and at the same time, they seem to target him in attack, Italy and outside centre because he his defensive skills left a lot to be desired. Like Canone was just ripping through him the first twenty minutes. Number eight. You gotta remember,
2: Ireland are missing four of their five most important. Yeah, players. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah happens yeah. At, like if this happens uh, at a no. World Cup. If you're missing, no, 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 no. If you're no, missing no, Sexton, on. Furlong, Ringrose, Henshaw, adding Gibson, Park, and Byrne. If that happens in a World Cup, aren't they getting knocked out of the World Cup?
1: Well, that, I mean, That's 2015 all over again. It is exactly what happened in 2015. However, this was just the Italy game. Like Those players might not have played. More than likely, they wouldn't have played. They would have made changes to the Italy game. If you look back, like, oh, this guy played in the Italy game. It's like, okay, and then we never really saw from them again. So we, we have traditionally made that number of changes. So we should have expected something akin to this performance. And the, the missing players, I don't think, would have played. I don't think they were putting Sexton out into that game if Sexton was fully fit. It's funny how everybody is fully fit. That's what the post match is like. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're all fit. They're all, they're training away. Tighe's training away there. He'll be ready. He'll be ready to go with the exception of Burn. But um, those players who were unavailable for that are all like, I think if that was a World Cup quarter final, Gary Ringrose was playing. Yeah. You know, like he was there in his tracksuit. He was there in the stadium. I think all those players are going to play against Scotland. But, um, I mean, Nathan, you said it looked like Ireland were always going to win, but jeez, that's
0: 12 minutes to go, 27-20. Juan Ignacio Brex has the ball. Oh my god! He those. has three players on his
1: outside and he kicks it. Yeah, not hey, a great... What's, what's he doing? Not a great decision. Not, like I think there's actually loads of stuff to talk about. The, on ITV, they were talking about um, James Ryan's decision not to take the points. When the gap was seven, we kicked to the corner and then the line-out goes astray and you're like... So we already had our bonus point. We weren't going to get any more bonus points stuff. And... Um, yeah, I think we just didn't play a little bit of cup rugby in that second half, which is, again, just a, a captaincy. You've got to learn that and you've got to go through that. So I think you know, James Ryan's captain.
2: Do you think that was James Ryan or was that premeditated? Because I don't know if you saw the clip of Andy Farrell coming onto the side of the pitch on the 80th minute and shouting at Conor Murray, if we get the ball back... Keep playing. Keep playing. Yeah. So don't kick it out, even though the game is won. So Ireland are trying to put themselves in scenarios of keeping the ball in play as much as they possibly can. I know what you're maybe, saying you've got to win the game first and foremost yeah, I, as well as you're trying to learn some things along the way but that they're confident enough that they're going to win the game that actually we're going to test ourselves in these scenarios
1: Yeah I think maybe fair enough although uh, when we are seven points up against France in a World Cup match I would like them to just kick that ball over because we'll get the ball back you know take the take the game to two scores, and that's also a different type of pressure uh, I, I just I think it's interesting to very quickly look at the player ratings so the star have um, Bundyaki at 7 Ross Byrne at 8 Craig Casey at 8 uh, Jack Cohn at 7 the Irish Times oof, the Irish Times not going to make happy reading paper John, of record John O'Sullivan in the Irish Times has James Lowe at 6 Stuart McCluskey at 6 Ooh. Bundyaki at 6 Ross Byrne at 6 Craig Casey at 5 5 out of 10 is a 50%. Ar- yeah, Ar- Oxford Ar-
0: 4 Ar- did not have the same performance. The Irish Times are, uh, are, are trying to turn into the keeper here. Yeah, right? They did not have the same performance. They're not all 6. James
1: Lowe got a 9 in the star I'm fairly sure. Uh, James Lowe Mack Hansen gets a 9. James Lowe got a 9. Touched off for man of the match. A menace when given time and space and saved a try with a brilliant read and tackle at yeah. one point. No tries himself. Book uh, end of the match. His performance mirrored that of Ireland says the Irish Times. Good in parts. Kicking an ability to beat defenders. But he gambled several times defence. Not always successfully. Should have scored a couple of tries. Craig Casey gets a five. Uh, Port, hard.
2: Craig Casey was, was about fine, Yeah,
1: Casey and Byrne
2: were grand. Like They didn't massively stand out. Maybe they weren't been asked to stand out. It was go in, do a solid job. Get the win. Move on with our lives. Don't stink the joint out. So that we're having a debate for the next two weeks about whether we should bring Joey Carberry back in.
0: Well, Ross Byrne followed Ron Logara's advice was don't try and stand out. Just do your do your thing. Do your
1: stuff as John Giles would say to you, Nathan of a Thursday. Angela Bassett? Yes. Uh, Jack Conan says at five. Five out of ten for Jack Conan. He well, tried Conan to get the in one who's in a bit of trouble now. He tried to get in some of his trademark surges but without the footwork he was met by aggressive Ital- Italian tackling on the gain line and only managed to ride that initial contact on a couple of occasions. The two
2: question marks selected can't find player ratings I can't find player ratings for anybody else. Uh, just, uh, Send in your player ratings journalist of Ireland and we'll uh, read them out. Uh, so, Aki, as you say, uh, ball in hand is mm-hmm. doing wondrous things Brilliant. but... They're targeting him. Like, does he get back in the Connock side after this? Does he have another three months of not playing any rugby? Is he in a position heading into the warm-up games where they're going, let's try Jamie Osborne and his position for the world? It it feels very hard to see that scenario. Like, Jack Conan, I know the Munster fans were up in arms last week. This. What about our boy? What about our boy? But, like, Conan's a line, but... He comes in, doesn't make a massive impact in a hotly contested part of the pitch.
0: Is, is his position in the squad now under. I think he suffered when Doris switched over to back to eight and was probably better than him in that little cameo mm. than Conan was beforehand. But again, Conan probably tried to go out of his way to impress so
1: much because Doris has been exceptional in that position and he ain't displacing. He ain't displacing Doris. No, no one's displacing yeah. Doris, really. I think that's the the point. But we do need strength and depth. like, um, And it's. You know, is Conan to get in ahead of O'Mahony probably not but he'll certainly be on the bench and there'll be an opportunity for him um, like they're giving O'Mahony contract all the way through to the end of the following season so there's, it's not like one of those Keith Earls contracts to the end of the World Cup like oh, they're sticking with O'Mahony he's their man at the moment and you know you, we we know the team like, it'll be interesting Finlay Beatham obviously went off injured which is probably an automatic return right. straight away for Tyke like Furlong anyway and it, probably Furlong they were going to start because they can get as many minutes as him as they possibly can so we wait to see what the injury is to Beelum. Um but uh, uh, like I don't know it was uh, a per- kind of perfect in that you get your bonus points everybody's happy there's like uh, plenty for Italy to feel good about they stressed yeah. us in areas that we'll be like okay well, we'll we need to fix that and move on Pablo Garbisi made a huge difference to them they looked
0: genuinely really threatening but I thought Ireland's attacking play was fantastic I thought the pa- the, the quickness of the passing in the first half particularly to create all those tries was, especially out wide was just brilliant but like the, I think the Aki storyline for me is the most interesting from this like Nathan was saying does he go back into the Connacht side I well, think he has to I think you're ringing
1: Connacht and you're saying he plays every minute that we want him to play I think
0: you're Andy Friend going
2: I'm sailing off in the sunset in three months I'll do whatever the hell I want there no, the new, no but he's such a good option to have
0: Aki when he's playing well but then he just gives a try to Pierre Bruno in the end of the first half with a way over the ambitious pass but the over the, over the ambition came from the fact that he was setting up so much good play in the first half I also enjoyed at the end of the match when Aki castigated himself yeah. <laughs> stupid Bundy stupid as he walked away he's high standards for himself because he played so well at times and then was Horrendous. A lot of uh, players.
1: I think it's just they can't play together. That was the the main thing coming out is that um, 10, 12 and 13 there's not enough pace where uh, if you've got the three of them all in the team at the same time you need to look at something different. So we'll come back to all this with Quinny in about five minutes time. Uh, moving on. In the amber, France. We put France in the amber really uh, like because amber is very difficult to put somebody in. I mean they got a bonus point uh, in the last moment. The game was Done and dusted, you would have said after 10 minutes until their stupid ill-discipline cost them a red card. And that's the one thing that would make you think that perhaps there's just still a little bit of French France about this France team. Like, there's still a little bit of, which French side are going to show up, which they completely obliterated by putting the kids in the team four years ago, giving them all this time to build up to it, discovering that they have the best player in the world at number nine, and... Um, massive strength and depth uh, they have like every rugby team got players from all around the world who are physical specimens that uh, are maybe not necessarily um, French by birth and you know we we do the same thing so that's just the, the way the game works but they look like they had everything ready and now just as the moment comes just as the moment comes it looks a little bit like oh, you can get at this French team
2: you're you're feeling a full on French crisis is coming in the weeks leading up to the World Cup?
1: Well, I think that there's a possibility that France blows a game they should win. I well, think
2: it, they're playing New Zealand in the opening game of the tournament. I, they, go, they get whipped in that, suddenly it is a full. Like Joe Schmidt's in New crisis. Zealand. Do
1: you think Joe Schmidt's watching that game going, oh, this is terrible, the France are going to hockey us? He's looking at that going, wow, look at what Scotland are doing to you lads. Like As hot and cold as France were in that game and have been for the
0: three matches so far, did they not go up against the red hot Finn Russell? Like,
1: who who also threw them? A
0: yeah, but when he was again a bit pick, like he was six. kind of uh, aki plus, like because yeah, look, Finn Russell. I, I understand the intercept pass for the try, but still, jeez, when he was on form, he's kicking.
1: What are we going to do with Finn passing. Russell next next time out? It's obviously fortnight away, um, but yeah, Finn Russell. The challenge of Finn Russell is going to be very very important for us uh, next time out, and it's going to be and at the World Cup. Interesting to, to see it. what to do. Yeah, I mean if the draw was being made for the World Cup now Scotland would be like seated much higher than they are
2: yeah well even the dynamic of how the games play out so Ireland have their first two matches then they play France and then we were looking going, well then there's a week off then you've got a two week break before Scotland so you're bringing a few lads back in before we head into the knockout stages
1: now you're thinking god damn it we, that, yeah, if, we need
2: full strength to Scotland
1: Well, there's a possibility, week Scotland, seven days before World Cup quarter final is it possible Scotland beat the Springboks it really is you know hmm. um, like uh, France is a like a very well organised country with the TGV where you can basically get across it they could have just said you're going to have your base in Marseille you're going to have your base in Bordeaux you're going to have your base in Paris you're going to have your base in Toulouse and we'll tell you like now or we'll tell you in the summer who's in your group it would have been really easy to organise this from a logistical perspective apparently apparently we don't still have our hotels all booked because the hotels that have been offered us are shite like that's how crap this organization the French World Cup is. Remember, this is the World Cup that we should be hosting.
2: Where are we? Where, where are we staying? Uh, but we should stay in that nice palace in Versailles where we stayed during Euro twenty sixteen. Hey, you should. Uh, you That's should the sort the that Trianon out. Palace, she beautiful together together. Together. In No, no. Well, we sorry we didn't stay in the palace. We stayed in an apartment. Uh, you did make it sound
1: back. like we stayed. in Sorry, the sorry. Uh, the, the Irish
2: players stayed in the palace. We weren't allowed and to stay uh, 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 near the uh, palace. We stayed in a uh, one, a two bedroom apartment where the. Uh, to get to the toilet, you had to walk over Adrian Barry's bed. So it wasn't quite the same <laughs> level of glamour.
0: <laughs> what an intro to a start.
2: And where, uh, where our studio was outside the other bedroom door. So it wasn't... Um,
0: yeah, but listen, hey, we got on with it. We took one for the team. Um, sorry, just before we move on from the rugby for now, can someone out there answer me? Why do half of the teams in this year's Six Nations have their names in the back of their jerseys and the other half don't? So Scotland, England and Italy have the names of the players in the back. The rest don't. Is this uh, why was it not a collective decision by the Six Nations to let's all do it or none of us do it? I personally think it's a good addition.
1: Uh, is it something to do with Netflix and Alakadu and that kind of thing? I don't know. Um, they're also know. not very well put on their jerseys. They're it looks like amateurs. The is tiny t- little, small, isn't great. It's yeah. like uh, it's like if the GA decided to finally put names there to be like, can I just get the magnifying glass out there? Which which of the brothers is that?
0: It's like if your Sunday League team decided to do it for their big cup final of the year. But I like the idea of it. I mean like you're thinking if, if you have a player associated with a number sales increase it's a no brainer you have another all American sports do it football does it I think it's something that rugby could incorporate but I think it's strange that half do and half don't yeah either all do all it right. or don't do it let's get to the red Tyrone
2: let me tell you a couple of things about Tyrone Now, just tell us about Mayo come on hard to believe what has happened to Tyrone in such a short space of time. They had a disastrous championship last year. But in the county, the players and management were largely given a free pass. That was unusual for Tyrone, where supporters can often go in hard on the team. But Maybe there was a feeling they pulled off a huge old Ireland against the Aussies in 2021. Give them a bit of slack. I thought the players would go back to their clubs and then come back, re-energised for this season. No sign of that so far. I do not remember ever seeing a Tyrone team so disorganised and unstructured in defence. This isn't Tyrone. This isn't the way we are as a county. Ooh, who's that? Words of Sean Kavanagh. Sean Kavanaugh. <sighs> not holding back.
1: I mean, uh, they got a free pass because they were a lot of champions, Do you know, and they've actually delivered the holy grail at a uh, at a time when this Dublin and Kerry teams were still around. Like maybe it's the last thing of the Dublin team, but still, they were still there. And that Kerry team, it turns out, are uh, on the verge of being absolutely fantastic. So felt
2: a bit shambolic on Saturday night against Mayo. Their defeats are bad defeats at the moment. Even you go back to the championship last year, the defeats to Derry and Armagh. They don't show anything of the fight of all Ireland champions at all. And you look at them and listen, this is a side who suffered the ultimate humiliation against Kerry the year they went on to win the All Ireland. So they've been there. They know how to uh, set themselves on the road to return. But yeah, there's no spark to them. Whatsoever, you know, conceding four goals to Mayo. They hadn't lost in Castlebar in 30 years. And I'm not sure if that stat is particularly relevant uh, in too many ways, but four goals against Mayo, three goals against Roscommon, scrapping to stay in Division One. Yeah, and Sean Kavanagh absolutely ripping you to pieces in the paper this morning.
1: Okay, okay. We'll come back to this a little bit later on with Moisey, but come on, give us, give us a little. You're, you're itching here to tell us the truth. The truth about that game is that we've seen the All Ireland Champions in action hand out Sam Maguire now. The curse is over.
2: I'm not getting quoted in any of this so it can come back to bite me in the ass. I think Mayo have been good, have been very good. They're probably playing with the personality of their manager and that there's a freedom to what they're doing and a sort of a joy and a willing to express their true footballing self. But they got Tyrone on a very bad day. They got Kerry on a very
1: bad day coincidentally and everybody has a bad day we're able, Mayo we're able to take full advantage of that But, ah, but I mean look there's, all joking aside you must be pretty excited about what you're seeing I think
2: I'm excited because there's always a fear that Mayo are going to go over a cliff edge at some stage and it turns out <laughs> that's not happening.
1: So like, but they always the do go over cliff years. edge, is the problem. At, well, at some point, there's like, like point. a missed penalty well, in all-around five-three-one goals like or whatever.
2: Lee Keegan retires, Ushin Mullen is gone, and that comes off the back of half a dozen of their greatest ever players stepping away over the last couple of years, and you think, well, this is the end of the golden generation. But then a new crop of players come through, and you'd have to assume that. The general standard of strength and conditioning and of quality that's needed to get into that squad over the last decade means that the levels are still very, very high and are going to be better than better than most. Well, the goals they scored. Well, the goals, the the goal from Enda Hessian. Like, have you have you seen a goal uh-huh. like that from a player wearing number four? Like this, this guy's a corner back. The one two. This guy's a corner back. Uh, it was yeah ridiculous. Um, Aidan O'Shea it has is having his best league campaign in a long, long time. Like the. Quality of his pass. Jeremy Connolly had made that pass. Jeremy Connolly had made that pass we for James Spin in this, like, oh, it's just a thing of beauty. Uh, yeah, they're, they're scoring a lot of goals, and there's, there's probably a bit more experience in some of these players. Like Enda Hessian played in the All Ireland final, played the second half, full second half in 2021, played almost all the game against Dublin in the semi final. So while some of these names are quite new, they do have a bit of experience in the bank. Tommy Conroy's back, came off the bench first time in a year. Obviously, you know, he was huge in that semifinal win against Dublin back in 21, 12 different scores. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on. They're probably going to find themselves in a, in a league final, whether they like it or not. Uh, then they're out again against Roscommon. We just, we just don't know what the way the season is set up this year as to how it's all going to work out. And, you know, did Kevin Maxey go in and go... You know, I need to rejuvenate this group. We want to start well. I know this is a county that uh, likes a bit of hype, likes a bit of momentum, right. and that uh, we just become this unstoppable thing until it suddenly comes to a grinding halt in a round-robin
1: series. Ah, sure, but look, it's one of these years you're going to get over the line. It may as well be this year. Every, everybody's a believer. Last one's Chelsea. We're, we're not doing any uh, significant time here in Chelsea, but like, what, what is there to say? Just sack them and be done with it. I thought like they've got to ride this out, but they can't now.
2: It, it's becoming uh, increasingly... Impossible to defend Graham Potter um, and keep him in a job. I I still think it's an impossible job where he is at the moment. But you know, no wins in six, three goals in ten matches. Yeah, one uh, shot in target by the seventeenth minute. Classic. He was very, very honest, obviously, in his pre-match press conference. Arguably too honest for a manager in that position, where people don't appreciate uh, you know being told how hard the gig is. Where he spoke about you know his family receiving death threats yeah. and um, the struggles he was having with his mental health, trying to deal with all the pressure he was under. But the results the results just aren't good enough. I still like the problem with the goals is a problem that was there at Brighton. You look at Brighton the last couple of years, like Neil Mope was their top scorer. He didn't hit double yep. figures in either season. They never they played a very nice brand of football. But even at Brighton we would say they're not getting the results that they should because they're not scoring enough goals. Now, they don't have a striker. They're still playing with Kai Havertz up front.
1: Well, it's his choice to keep him out. Well, about me shite, you keep absolutely talking about absolutely him. Absolutely brutal. He's, he's terrible. Sorry, he's there. Every, he's available. But he's, he's shite. Uh, yeah. He's been, yeah, he's been, yeah, been yeah. terrible for four seasons. They, they shouldn't have play him. Nobody to score a goal. But it doesn't they matter. You, can't, you can't go to him because that's like nobody. Okay, so the answer to that is to pick the toxic player who's been terrible for uh, like literally three and a half years. That's not an answer. That's no, like that. Bring him off the bench. He had half a season
2: at Barcelona, but when he's played this year, he has been. Oh, he's been He's been awful. Now maybe there's a different way he has to look at it. When you have Joao Felix. Raheem Sterling Mudrick has come in and aside from the little cameo in his debut against Liverpool hasn't done a huge amount but maybe you have to find a way of getting one of them to score some goals because it doesn't look like Havertz is ever going to be the answer probably not helped with what's going on with Mason Mount who's you know, fallen off a cliff edge since the yeah. World Cup as well is out of contract in the summer but there are bits in every game where you look at them and go, oh, "They're starting to get this together like, ah, was, defensively yeah, and in midfield. They actually are starting to look like a decent side." Right. It was side, classic but then it just breaks down in the final third and it, yeah, clearly if this was the Abramovich era, right, he's yeah. not even here, he's gone. Enzo Fernandes gone a month looks ago, very good.
0: Joe Felix looks good, but they just they don't look like a goal scoring threat at all. They've won one away game um,
1: since the last time they won away was October sixteenth, Villa Park.
0: All right, that like he's
1: done. Does that even count. 11 minutes past 8 this morning that is uh, this week's episode of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings
0: OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette